You know you could be more productive if you focused on what you do best and outsource the rest. But finding the skilled professionals you can trust with your business is hard and it takes valuable time. What if you could outsource your freelance hiring to somebody who understands your business and has your back? That's Results Resourcing. They find perfect virtual freelancers on demand for a lower cost and better outcome than a temp agency, your buddy, or somebody's fourth-hand referral. Results Resourcing helps you define your job requirements, then they search the web to find independent professionals who meet your exact requirements. They do the interviews, they vet the top candidates, and they look for skills, experience, cost, and cultural fit to quickly find you a curated, hand-picked talent pool of the best virtual freelancers who can help you succeed. Results Resourcing frees you from the time-intensive hassle of hiring contract pros. They do it for you. Go to ResultsResourcing.com and let them find, vet, and hire your next freelancer for 35% off with the code PFPOD. That's PFPOD at ResultsResourcing.com. You're listening to Productive Flourishing. Thanks for joining us today. I mean, we talk in the book, we talk a lot about doing the hard things, right? And self-discipline is the hard stuff. That's the hard stuff. But over time, then you identify with doing those actions and then it's a part of you and then it's easy. But yeah, in the beginning, it's hard. It's not easy. That's for sure. You have to do the hard things to be happy in life, right? The things that other people can't do for you, the things that nobody else seems to be doing. But those are the things that are going to move you forward one step at a time. And it seems like a cliche to say that, oh, yeah, one step at a time. But the truth is, it's that's how it happens. That was Mark and Angel Chernoff, return guests and the authors of Getting Back to Happy. They returned to the show today to discuss some of the key insights they've learned about finding your happiness, starting with and returning to the rituals that create happiness each and every day. We also discuss how letting go of self-defeating stories is a continual practice rather than a one-time event, no matter where you are on your happiness journey. If you liked this episode, you'll dig episode 83 as Mark Angel and I jam about how to be positive and grounded throughout life's changes. I'm Charlie Gilkey, and this is Productive Flourishing. Welcome to Productive Flourishing, where we explore how to do the work that matters so you become your best self in the world. I'm your host, Charlie Gilkey, and I'm joined by Angela Wheeler and other guests who will share their stories, insights, wins, and challenges in the hopes that our journeys and stories will help you with yours. Now, on to the show. If you ask me to name the single biggest workplace time waster, I don't even have to think about it. The answer is email. In fact, a recent study found that almost 50% of the time that managers spend tending to their inboxes is spent on emails that should have never been sent to them or that didn't really need an answer in the first place. But what if you could just press a magic button and never see those time-wasting emails again? Well, that's exactly what SaneBox does. With just a few clicks, SaneBox automatically gets your email under control and filters out the messages that don't need your focus. And you don't even have to switch email apps because it works in concert with whichever email clients you already use. It also has some nifty features like the Sane Black Hole, where you can vanquish senders you never want to hear from again, and Sane Reminders for sending email reminders to your future self. See how SaneBox can magically remove distractions from your inbox with a free two-week trial. Visit SaneBox.com giant today to start your free trial and get a $25 credit. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash giant. 
I've used and loved SaneBox for years, and I think you will too. Mark Angel, we have jammed so many times in the past between Think Better, Live Better, between you being out on the podcast, and just other things that we've done. I'm so excited to talk to you guys again today in general, but also specifically for the podcast. We, we are excited yeah, too. We're stoked to be here. Yeah, absolutely stoked to be in your presence again and hear your voice. Um, you're a great friend and thank you for having us on. It's fantastic being in my presence. Wow. Okay. Um, we're going to talk really about two things. You guys have a new book coming out and I am so proud of you because I know... I know, how, you know, the, the ropes and the pulleys and the gears behind that process for you guys, because it's been in a conversation over the last few years. So I'm so glad to see it starting to come to life. But there's the journey of writing the book, right? And everything that it takes and the content. We'll have a little, con- a little bit of a conversation about the content. But there's also the journey that happens when you create the work, right? And when we do the type of work that you guys are doing, you create yourselves, you create new opportunities for yourselves. And so there's this um, I know you, you know, you're both parents, you know, um, so you've gone through one massive identity change. Um, but the journey that you're on is similar in the sense that there's an identity change that's about to happen as well. Um, we can talk a little bit more about that. Um, so mixing that, I'm going to jump a little bit in and, and, and um, talk a, a little bit about some of the elements of the book, right? And there were some that really popped up for me. And um, one was the focus on rituals, which, you know, a lot of times when we think about happiness, it's not the first thing for people to think about rituals. So let's jump in there. Like, what is the power of rituals and how does that relate to getting back to happy? Sure. Um, you know, we made we made rituals, the chapter one in the book, kind of the, the foundation of the book purposefully. Um, and the reason for that is, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you, you can read, uh, you can attend the seminars, you can study personal development and self-growth. Um, to help yourself step through a tough situation. But if you aren't practicing, if you aren't doing the little things every day that take you from where you are to where you hope to be, you're making no progress. Um, and so getting back to happy, the, 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 behind every single chapter, um, chapter one is kind of your, your your baseline. We start off talking about rituals and then every single chapter that follows um, leaves you with a ritual to actually practice so that you can you can start moving and integrating this thing into your life. Um, you know, and for us, you know, I, I don't want to, I want to steal this whole question, but for us, um, when we were at the lowest of lows, so our journey, like you said, it was a journey and it started 10 years ago. And it might be kind of interesting that we're waiting 10 years to, to talk about what happened to us 10 years ago. But like you said, the, like growth happened in there. Um, what we know today and how we perceive and we're able to, to, to address that journey for every day from the point that we were at the lowest of low till today um, makes us more a, a better voice to actually explain the journey that we were on as opposed to trying to rush it out the door. You know, we started our blog 10 years ago, and so that's been a gradual um, conversation that's been online between us and others. Uh, the book is a focused account of where we were, where we are now, and how we got from one place to the other through daily rituals. Mm-hmm. And like you said, Charlie, I think most people don't think of rituals and habits as something that correlates with happiness. You think of like, oh, I have habits and rituals in place to help me be more productive. I have things in place to help me be better in business. But yeah, the rituals are just what are the daily actions that you're doing, whether they support you or are hurting you, but what are the daily actions that you are taking every day that you may not even realize that are affecting you? Mm -hmm. You know, I was writing about discipline this morning. And um, because 
they know, we all know that I'm working on a book and part it's, it's one of the chapters on there is just talking about discipline and our hesitancy to embrace discipline. Right. And par- partially that's because when we're children, discipline is about pain and yeah, pain and sort of frustration and being denied something a lot of times. Right. Um, and so I think we take that forward with us as adults, um, that, you know, to be disciplined means that you have to invoke some sort of suffering or some sort of pain or some sort of denial. Um, the reality is when you're talking about rituals, you're talking about, um, intentionalized discipline in a way, right? You're going to do these things over and over again. And what we find over and over again is that actually, once you embrace discipline, you actually find freedom and happiness, right? And so, our first level sort of association with discipline is like pain and suffering. But the reality is it's often freedom and happiness. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those weird dualities in that way, you know? Yeah. yeah. You, you, you kind of change your normal, um, you know, and that that's, that's sort of the big part of discipline is it starts off feeling like you said, really painful. And as time goes on, as long as this thing you're disciplining yourself to do is meaningful in your life, you start noticing the progress you, you, and you're tracking that and you're looking back and like, here's where I am. Here's where I was. Oh my God, that feels great. Yeah. And and then on top of that, yeah, it's, it's like, like you are really now the new normal is to do this thing yeah. that was uncomfortable before, but now is comfortable. And now you've kind of, you've grown to the point where you can stretch yourself just a little further. And that's how those small steps, those small days turn into, I mean, just incredible change. Yeah. I mean, we taught in the book, we talk a lot about doing the hard things, right? And self-discipline is the hard stuff. That's Mm. the hard stuff. But over time, then you identify with doing those actions and then it's a part of you and then it's easy. But yeah, in the beginning, it's hard. It's not easy. That's for sure. You have to do the hard things to be happy in life, right? The things that other people can't do for you, the things that nobody else seems to be doing, but those are the things that are going to move you forward one step at a time. And it seems like a cliche to say that, oh, yeah, one step at a time. But the truth is, it's that's how it happens. I tell you, it just reminded me, um, somebody emailed us just yesterday, and they were just starting off. Uh, unfortunately, they had lost their son. Um, and it, this is a father, and he, he, he's dedicated. He started a Facebook page, and he's starting a blog to dedicate to his son. And his question to us was like, he said, hey, I really respect what you guys are putting out to the world. And how do I do what you're doing? Like, how, how can I? have a bigger impact. And uh, we checked out, we kind of went on there together. We have compassion for people who are kind of down there in the trenches. Um, We love to hear their stories. We want to help where we can. And so we just kind of went on his page and just took a look at what he was putting out there. And it was amazing stuff. Absolutely amazing. And Angel and I looked at each other and we're like, you know, the only difference between this gentleman and his journey and us and our journey, right? When you, when you remove the details, it's just that we've been doing it for the last 12 years, right? Every single day. And, and, and like we, we actually sent him an email that said, like, you are doing an amazing job. I mean, this like we want to be a part of this. Um, we are even thinking about having him come speak at Think Better, Live Better in, in next year. Um, but it's just about the daily ritual. If he if he continues on his journey with the same level of persistence that we're seeing him pr- present online right now, there is no question in our mind that he's going to have the platform and he's going to be making the impact that he wants to make in 10 years time. No question. I'm so glad you said that. And this is for all listeners out there who are at the beginnings of your creative journey. Um, don't compare like someone in the mid, you know, chapter of their, you know, or the mid phase of their career or the end phase of their career with your own work. Right. Because if you scroll back, this is what I tell everybody, like pick whatever hero you have, go online and see their archives from 15 years ago. Right. Or if they've been at this 20 years, right. Go back and look at that and compare their beginnings to your beginnings. Right. And you'll have a better gauge because you're trying to compare someone who you think is masterful in talent, but it's 
a lot of times it is masterful and talent, but it's a lot of perseverance and, and you know, right. daily grind that has made that, you know, those 10,000 hours that they put in there. Right. And so you, you need to compare sort of where you are and if you're willing to put those 10,000 hours in, not where you're starting from. Right. And so thanks so much for including that because that's, you know, that discipline and showing up and, and so on and so forth is really where it comes from. And there are so many people I like, I was thinking about this the other day, guys, and, and you guys will get it. Cause we were, I mean, the people who started 10 years before we did, cause we started roughly the same time, mm-hmm. right? The people who started 10 years from our, from us, like they had it hard cause they had to like design HTML websites and Dreamweaver and all sorts of stuff <laughs> like that. Right. We at least started with WordPress, right. And, and things like that. But I look at what's available for folks now through medium and through WordPress and just how easy it is to actually publish. Um, I'm like, the bar is really, really low. And there are some really amazing people that are out there writing and new voices and things like that. And it's actually really exciting. And I just want folks to be like, you know, like as hard as it may be, because there are the market angels out there, right, who have been writing about this for 10 or 12 years, we still need those fresh voices. We still need that. And it's a lot easier now as far as technology goes. It is. It is without a doubt. And we just we have to realize that those rituals apply to all areas of our life, you know, and that's the thing. It's like sometimes we forget, like we look at like a goal we want to achieve and we think, okay, you know, there's this thing I need to I need to break it down. I need to figure out what the steps are. But anything that you want to design into your life and including wellness, right, is a ritual, just happiness. And it sounds you're like, oh, well, how can I how can I build happiness into my life in rituals? But no, it's doing the things that bring joy, that, that bring you closer to an understanding of the thoughts that you have going on in your head, how they're affecting you, how that's helping you or hurting you from the standpoint of stepping forward. Um, and yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's everything is a practice and we just forget that we, mm-hmm. we so often want, like, just like that, that gentleman emailing us, like, how do I, how do I have a greater impact? How do I have the impact you're having? Well, it's just a little steps. You've got to take it slow. You've got to take it with the slow with your, your, your bigger goals, your professional goals and your personal mm-hmm. goals and your personal wellness. Yeah. And also understanding you learn the way on the way. Right. You can't just look at somebody and say, I'm going to replicate everything they're doing and I'm going to be as successful. Well, no, there are things that you are going to learn just by doing and going through it. So having that thought, like you'll learn the way on the way. So you're not going to all of a sudden have confidence. You're going to gain that confidence by doing. Right. So just keep doing, and, keep moving. Forward. And that goes right along back to why the book took, you know, 12 years to write. Why didn't we write it way back? Well, it's because the book that we would have written back then would have not been based on rituals. I'll tell you that, right? I mean, there's a good place to start. It would, it would, that would have not been the foundation because we just didn't understand it as much then, right? It, it wasn't like we, we hadn't built the practices and, and, and put, put the work in, like you're saying, like, you know, 10 years, 12 years down the road, you learn the way on the way. And now we understand things about ourselves, about the business, about what words matter to people. Um, and, and what resonates from the coaching we've done over the last decade. So it's, it's, I mean, it's all part of that, you know, putting in the work, putting in the time, taking it one step at a time, tracking your, your, yourself and looking, you know, looking at let's, let's look at the progress and like, let's reflect on what we've learned this month um, so that we can, you know, figure out where we slipped up and where we've really done great so that we can do more of that. Mm-hmm. You know, here's where we're going to fuse sort of the journey and the content, because um, from my perspective, you guys are accidental self-help teachers. Like, <laughs> Like you, you didn't like think I'm 26, I'm going to become a self-help author. Right. And I know all of the words that come, all of the feelings that come up when it was like, oh, you're a self-help author. Right. Cause there's, there's a whole journey there as well. Right. Um, but there's this thing where it's like, it takes a while to realize 
especially the way that you guys got into self-help, right? Because it really was self-help. Like you guys were going through duress, right? And it wasn't about like, oh, it would be good to make our life a little bit better. It was more like our life is actually re- really hard right now. Um, yeah. And what can we do to make it better? It was it done better? out of necessity. You're 100% right. right. Which is interesting. We were 100 totally accidental. And we've said that time and time again. It's like we didn't like we didn't like say, oh, you know what? Let me crack open some Byron Katie, some Eckhart Tolle, some Tony Robbins and just start reading. It was like, let's do this because we are in a place we, we can't figure out how to take this step, the next step forward. You know, it was kind of a moderate depression. It was collective between the two of us. Um, and it was sort of like, okay, we're here. We're not moving forward. We've, we've done this long enough. Well, how can we support each other? And that is certainly a silver lining of our story at the beginning that we had each other to talk to, even though those conversations weren't the greatest in the beginning. But we talked to each, we, we made that kind of pact to each other that we're going to help each other step through this. And that's when we dove into personal development. Yeah. And as you know, Charlie, I mean, our blog was started as a public accountability journal. It was started as the place that we were literally writing the notes that we were reading that we wanted to hold ourselves accountable to in the, the Byron Katie's and the Eckhart Tolle books and so forth. And, and it was just interesting how, you know, t- talking about it publicly, being willing to share that, um, and, and be vulnerable and say, like, here's where we're at, which isn't a great place, uh, resonated with others out there. And, and you know, and then there, you know, obviously there's a black box between that point and now, but there was a slow transition of understanding it, of helping others for free, just, you know, just saying, hey, listen, I, I'm on this journey with you. They, they left a comment on the blog. We got in touch. And, and through that, moving into to, to more serious coaching and becoming certified in that and, and, and writing books and so forth and, and running courses. So it, it's been, you know, the, the work is incredibly rewarding because it's incredibly personal for us. I mean, it, it's a lot of the people that we talk to are on a journey that is similar to ours. And we, we resonate so deeply with that. Yeah. And my point about being sort of the accidental teachers here is um, even though we're seeing um, a trend where, whereby people who have a little bit of experience and a little bit of expertise then um, claim the mantle of expertise, like expert, like I, I know all about this because I've, I've studied this for two years sort of scenario, mm-hmm. um, which is somewhat casting shade, but it's just a pattern that we see now, right? Um, from my recollection, it took you guys a good six or seven years before you really sort of embraced that role as not we're going through this together, like on the peer side, but actually, no, we have we have learned something that we are now sharing with you in this way, in this sort of teacher way, as opposed to in this peer um, peer traveler way. Does that feel true to you guys as well? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. you're absolutely right. I think we didn't even feel confident giving advice until we were going through it ourselves and then had experience. Okay. Cause we were getting comments and feedback saying, Hey, can you help me with this? And we're, we were like, well, who are we to give this advice? And then it was like, well, wait a second. We actually do have some answers because we have experienced this firsthand. And so, yeah, maybe we are in a position where we're able to help here, help others because we've, we've walked through it ourselves. Yeah. It was interesting. And, and you're, you're hundred percent right on the time frame too. You know, I mean, so 10 years ago, was probably the lowest of our low, you know, um, and it wasn't, I mean, even just to give you an idea, we released what is now kind of our flagship course product um, called Getting Back, also called Getting Back to Happy. Um, and it's an online course that we offer coaching with. And that did not come out until 2014. So you got, you got to figure, I mean, there was a good like, like six to seven years in there where it, it was studying it. It was helping others for, you know, volunteering, 
um, and, and, and putting time in to understand really how this process works. Um, and as you know, I mean, you've, you've been at the Think Better, Live Better conference, our live annual event. And so, and that didn't happen until, what was that? That was 2016 16 was, the first, was the first one where we started getting serious. Yeah. And like the first speaking gigs we were doing were like in 2013, 2014. So it was like, there were many years in there. Like we weren't trying to jump into it, you know? And I mean, maybe that's because the intention wasn't for this to be our business. Like you said, we are kind of accidental entrepreneurs in that, in that regard. But by the, by the time we were ready and we, we, we like, we were ready to kind of put ourselves out there with, with more kind of in the forefront. I mean, we had put in many years of work prior to that and there's still a lot to learn, right? I mean, we're not, <laughs> we're definitely not at like the Byron Katie level, right? Or the Eckhart Tolle level or any, like any one of those uh, people, Brene Brown comes to mind as just being an amazing human being um, that we study, that we learn from. Um, but it's, we're somewhere in the middle and I think the middle is a great place to be because that's where you're learning. Um, and that's where you're hopefully able to make an impact where you can really kind of put yourself out there and sit down with people and have the hard conversations and tell the hard stories. Thanks so much for sharing that. And the reason I wanted to sort of extricate that is because there are a lot of people out there who are either just getting started or maybe they're mid and they're like, why is this taking me so long? Like this person started last year and now they've got a book deal and they've got the thing or they've got the best podcast or they got some level of success that that person like the, 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 the warrior is worrying about. Right. And it's just sometimes you have to go through it and you have to learn and it takes a while for things to come together. Right. Um, and it's not just about your content. It's about this identity piece we keep playing with. Right. You have to change the way that you see yourself um, and see that you have evolved to a certain degree that you're now comfortable. And that can't really be forced. Right. Um, and trust me, people try to hire me to force that. And I'm like, I can't force that. Right. I, it's going to take time and it's going to take practice and it's going to take you showing up and falling down and scraping your knees and standing back up and, you know, being courageous and things like that. So thanks for sharing that, because I know. A lot of folks look up to you guys and, you know, people who have book deals and things like that in general. And it is this unfolding process. And, you know, as, as you said, Angel, you learn, you learn the way on the way, um, but you, you know, learn to live life by living at the same time. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that's a critical, crucial piece. Yeah, absolutely. And, and oftentimes, if you're looking at someone and saying, oh, they accomplished this in one year, two years, most likely you don't really know them because you're only seeing the highlight and you're not seeing all of the work and you, that went through to get there. Yeah, it, it's I mean, it, it, it's, it's such an interesting thing that like we have that perception. You know, we look at somebody who suddenly became it, like in the public eye and we think that somehow that happened overnight. And most of the times, even the people that only appear to be like, they suddenly have that, 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 you know, best-selling or best-selling book or the hottest pot and hottest new podcast. It's like, there was a lot of work that there's a couple people that get lucky, but most of the time, I mean, we're talking like 99% of the people have put in a substantial amount of work and have been very, very uh, disciplined yeah. in taking those steps to get there. And, and sweat, tears, yeah. everything. Like it's yeah. not, it's not, it's not glamorous. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and, and that goes for, that goes like, you know, circling it back around to happiness, right. And, and stepping through adversity and overcoming the odds mm -hmm. when you're, when you're dished, you know, loss in your life, deep loss in your life. Uh, you know, it is not like it's it's nice to say I want that quick pill. Like, give me the pill that's going to get me to feeling better, right? And and it it you know no matter whether therapy, medication, no, no like regardless of whether that stuff's involved, and sometimes it's very helpful. Um, it is a personal practice. I mean, it's something that you have to commit to, and you have to realize 
that getting back to happy, getting to a place where you are emotionally more stable and free is something that is practiced consistently on a daily basis for years, right? Like grief doesn't disappear. Grief is something that sits with you for the rest of your life, but it becomes part of your identity and you start to learn how to walk in a new way with that grief. And that actually adds to your character and your ability to be compassionate and empathetic with others, thus changing the trajectory of your life and the lives of those you touch. It is not something that you jump to. It, you know, you have to go through it to get there. Um, but getting there, you know, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things like there are things that are going to happen to you that you would wish on nobody else. And yet when you look back 10 years later, 20 years later, you, you would never take it out of your life. You wouldn't choose it again. You wouldn't choose to lose the people you lost again. But you realize how much you've grown from that. And you wouldn't change that part of you. Um, and that's it, that's an interesting thing that can only be understood by living through it. Mm-hmm. You can't jump to it. Absolutely. And it's finding when you get to that point, like that, that that's magical when you can get to that point, when you can get to the silver lining of these struggles and this pain. But it's like working through it. And that's where a lot of the rituals come into place, you know, in the book, getting back to happy, like what are the steps you can take while you're walking through it, while you're walking that path? Cause it's not easy. We know that, but yes, getting to that place where you can look back and say, again, I wouldn't choose this, but I can see how I've grown and how I am a different person because of this. And I am on a better path. Yeah. You know, we we're sort of dancing around here because on the one hand we've said, this whole ritual stuff and this whole happy making stuff, it's hard work, right? Um, we have said that. Um, but, you know, as, as people jump into the book and really think about it, we're not saying you have to choose rituals and things that you hate, right? And do those yeah. things, right? Yeah. Life does not have, you know, like, if you do rituals that make you happy every day and you stick with those rituals that make you happy every day over the course of a lifetime, both the process of doing the ritual and the outcome leads to happiness, right? And exactly. you still have to work. <laughs> um, yeah. you, you still have to do the work. Yeah. And so we, we I, I get frustrated. You guys know because we've had this conversation. I get so frustrated when people look at hard work and they assume that it's painful or they assume that it entails suffering or they assume that it always has to be bad. I'm like, actually, no, like the best type of work is hard work and you'll be fulfilled from doing it. Right. Um, And so this whole idea of finding the easy work is totally bullshit. Right. Because when you really look at the end of the day and the week, end of the month, end of the year, quarter, whatever you want to look at, we typically say it's those hard things that I did that mattered to me that I'm the most happy and proud of. It's not all the easy shit. Like, it's just that hard stuff. So, yes, we're talking about like you got to get in there and you got to work through some of this stuff and it can be joyful along the way. Um, yep. And you have a long life and like you can choose to stay where you are, staying stuck, maybe staying unhappy, staying in a, in a place of grief that you can't move from. And if you don't do anything, you're going to stay there and that's going to be some work down the road. Or you can choose different types of things that are going to be work, but that lead to the outcome that you want, which is happiness and thriving and things like that. So, yes. So I just wanted to pull that out because a lot of times, especially when we're in sort of self-help and productivity and things like that, we get all about the hard work, right? And like, let's get in there and let's get it done. It's going to be hard, but we forget sometimes that we've experienced on the backside, like why it's so important. Yeah, no, hundred percent true. Uh, you know, and you just reminding me of another, um, it was, it was a couple months ago now, but a, an email that we've referenced a few times on the blog. It's just about that. It's about the journey. And this, this woman who is now a client of ours, um, emailed us and said, you know, Hey, 
Uh, I, I'm a librarian, been a librarian for, by profession for many years. I moonlight on the side as a life coach. Um, and the reason she, she did that had to do with grief and loss in her life. And there was a very, a very strong tie, like kind of her personal journey. So we resonated deeply with that. And she said, you know, my dream really, and has been for several years is to go back to school and get my degree in psychology. Like I really want to go from, and she was in her late forties. So, you know, so she wasn't like young spring chicken, but she has plenty of years left to live, plenty of career left. And so her question was kind of like, you know, but I'm, but I'm in my, my late forties. So like to do this, I, you know, go back to school and get the necessary degrees is going to take me like another, like six to eight years. And by then I'm going to be in my fifties. And, you know, what do you guys think about this? And I mean, we, we were there with her and we just said, how old will you be if you don't do it in, in that eight, six to eight years, you're going to be the same age. I mean, time is passing anyway. Right. So what is it that you want for yourself? What is going to be most meaningful to you? And what are the steps that you can start taking to do that? And that is hard stuff. But she's on the journey now and back at school doing the taking those steps because she realizes that that is meaningful to her. And yes, it's hard. But like you said, there's joy in that. She's seeing progress now. Those classes are getting checked off. She's learning. She's growing. And she I mean, the, the, the level of her like her mindset has changed so drastically in just a few months. And it's, it's remarkable to see like, yes, hard. Absolutely. No question about it. Worth it. Yes, absolutely. No question about it. Joy found there. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, we just have to keep that in mind, you know, when we're going through a personal struggle when we want to get ourselves personally from one place to another, or when we want to move a business or, or some idea, a career idea forward. I mean, it's, it's, it is about investing in those small things that you have to do daily um, to get to, to do the hard thing that has to be done, you know? Yeah. I mean, exactly. You're going to be spending your days doing something, right? Um, <laughs> it's Hopefully. just true. As long as you're alive, you're going to be spending your yeah. days doing something. It's a truism. It's the point that we're pulling out is what do you want those days to be filled with? Right. Mm -hmm. And it might require work and you know what, that's a great thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And just as a side note here, um, again, to some stuff that I've been working on in the book, I think um, we all, especially people in our age group, because we're sort of in that, you know, mid thirties, you know, forties sort of thing. We need to break this idea that the end of one's career is in that 55, 60 timeframe. Because with medicine and with technology and with things like that, we should plan on being productive, contributing members to society until we're 85. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, we're just now warming up to the idea of second acts. We really need to start thinking about third acts, right? What happens when she spends those 20 years or 15 years being the psychologist and then she's 65 and she's like, you know, I'm I'm good. I want to do something else. You know, she's still going to be 65 to your point, Mark, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. whether she chooses something else, like if it takes her another 10 years, she's still going to be 75, right? One yeah. way or the other. And so we just need to warm up to this idea that we can make this new choice, but that new choice will require letting go. It will. Yeah. So let's talk I, about, I, go ahead. I love that thought process. I love that idea of letting the boundary of, oh, well, I don't have enough time you're removing that all together. And then if you were to remove that, then what kind of doors would open for you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so if you're mid forties, I'm our question, our joint question, cause I see them nodding is what are you going to do with the next 40 years of your life? Right. Yeah. Uh, not just the next 10 years of your life or next 15 that would, that you've encapsulated in a certain career, but you've got 40 awesome mm-hmm. years ahead of you. 
right? A lot of contribution, a lot of change, a lot of ways to manifest your creativity. Oh, by the way, I heard on the indicator the other day, which is one of my new favorite podcasts, that the average age for people who found successful startups and small businesses is 45. It's not the 22, 23-year-old Mark Zuckerberg or Steve Jobs. It's 45, guys. Right. Yeah. And so, and it's going to continue to age up because of technology, because of different things like that. And so if you're 45, you're like, oh man, I should have started this business when I was 20 years ago. Guess what? You're in the prime age, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're an author or if you're a writer and you're like, I should have started writing books when I was 20, guess what? You're in the prime age. Get to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a great point, Charlie, that we have more time. You know, we have to be respectful of our time but we're, we're not like out of time, you know, and that, I don't think you're ever, it's, ne- it's never too late, right? You can always make a small shift and that's really what it takes, right? It's that first step that really matters the most. Of course, you've got to keep stepping, but you've got to make that decision for yourself. And we've seen that time and time again, you know, um, it reminds me of even like, I think better live better. I know a few, a few times people have come up to us. Uh, so a lot of moms and dads will attend with their children. And that's been a common question. Like, you know, it, it like, like a son or daughter, they're you know they're on behalf of their parents. They they, they they the ticket was bought for them. They don't really they're not embraced with you know and in, in, in engrossed in our work just yet. And but asking like you know I you know these kind of fear based questions of I don't want to make the wrong decision with the college like the college career choice right like I want to choose the major properly. I want to as if at like you know seventeen or eighteen they should somehow know what they're supposed to do for the rest of their entire life right. Yeah. And I mean of course that's that's we are always growing. We are always somewhere in the middle. And like Angel said, when you can remove that, like the age out of it, the question is, is what makes the most sense for you? And yes, you have to think about your family, especially when we're talking about career change. I mean, we have to talk talk about money, think about it, be smart about it, make sure, you know, that the income is there to support your family if you have one, to support yourself. But that doesn't mean you can't make changes, right? Mm-hmm. You can you can do both. It's not one or the other. It's it's about realizing that small shifts can start being made that allow both to happen. Yeah. You know? yeah. And and knowing that there is no bad decision, you know, there's no, if, as long as you're making a decision, you're making progress, you yeah. know, no decision is the problem, but taking a step and making a decision, whether it's what college, what job or whatever it may be, making progress and stepping forward is the key. Agreed. Was that a think better, live better where some, where one of the speakers commented, I don't know who said the quote, unfortunately, but it's like, it's not the choices that I made that I regret, it's the choices I didn't make. Or it's not, yeah. the, or it's, wait, it's not the chances I took that I regret. It's the chances I didn't take yeah, right. that I most regret. And the same sort of thing is like the, the, you know, talk about it in terms of project world, which is three to five year projects where you're working on some aspect of your life or your career or your business. And just our life is chunked into these three to five year spans, right? And mm-hmm. the beauty of that is that three to five years from now, you're going to be working on something else no matter what you do. Right. There's going to be some new thing. It could be, you know, for in my world, like having a new kid as a, as a project, because you guys know, right. Um, <laughs> it's a whole thing, right. It's, it's a whole thing or starting a, like writing a book. That's a whole thing. Or, you know, scaling your business from one to the other. That's a business changing careers or excuse me, that's a project. So these are all projects. And the beauty of that is you don't have to know, right. What you're going to be doing for the next 20 years. Nobody knows that. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. for the next three to five years, are you working on something that matters to you? Right. Are you making those changes? Are you developing? Are you getting back to happy in this section of your life? And if that's what you're doing, then great. Keep doing that. And then three to five years later, figure out the next thing. But you can't mm-hmm. see it now. All right. And such a big part of that is daily reflection. You know, like Angel and I are big proponents of just daily journaling and reflection. It doesn't have to be long journaling. I mean, we're just talking about like, you know, 
you, you sit down at the end of the day, you reflect on what you've learned, what, what, what you've seen, what you're grateful for, little things like that. I mean, it, it can be kind of cliche to say that, but like just the process of sitting down there like ritualistically and doing that brings awareness to the things that you are learning, the things that you're doing, the things that you want to accomplish um, and, and the things that you are grateful for, even though they're not the big things, right? Mm-hmm. Because the project's five years long. The project could be 10 years long. But the little things like keeping track and reflecting on a daily basis is sort of where some of that joy is found, where you start to notice that progress in your life. And noticing progress is what ultimately makes us happy in moment to, a moment-to-moment basis. Yeah. So I'm curious here. Um, and it's a topic that's not native for me to talk about, but it's a part of your book. And, and the topic is motivation. Um, and it's not native for me to talk about because it's, I, I personally don't struggle with motivation. Um, I, I struggle with too much of motivation sometimes. Right. And so I, I forget, um, I forget, oh, well, we need to talk about that. But a lot of times when we start talking about these steps people need to make, it comes down to motivation. So give us some nuggets about motivation, how one might find this motivation to start making these changes and getting back to happy. Sure. I would say like one that comes to mind is understanding your why, like why, what is holding you back right now? Why do you want to be in a better place? Like, how are you feeling now compared to how do you want to feel and holding on to that and saying, okay, well, I know I don't like where I currently am right now, but this is where I want to be. So understanding that and the why though behind it, like, why do I want to be happier? Why do I want to be in a better place? Is it, is it for my family? Is it for my peace of mind? Is it for my own health? But understanding why will keep you motivated when you're having to do those hard things. Yeah, I agree. And then taking a look at, you know, on the flip side of that would be um, taking a look of what's holding you back, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, you know, go back to rituals and and you ask yourself, you know, you know, like, what is it I want to change in my life? You know, Um, and what do my ideal circumstances look like, like you're talking about, right? And then, you know, what are the rituals that are, you know, leading me not to get there. Like, you know, what is this thing I want to change in my life? And like, and, and, and what, what's hurting so much? And what are the daily rituals that are leading to this circumstance I'm presently in? What are the thought processes? What am I telling myself? What's the story? You know, what is it that, that, that's keeping me here and not allowing me to, to, to step forward? You know, um, and, and what are the rituals that will actually get me from point A to point B? And sometimes when you kind of you start breaking it down to look at like the little daily things that you do that are keeping you stuck, you realize that it's not that difficult to make small shifts, right? Because when you when you think about like I want to achieve this thing or I want to I want to I want to you know obviously you need the why I agree with that in, entirely, but you have a meaningful thing to, to 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 strive for. So many of us we 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 figure what that out what that thing is or we think we know what it is, but then we never take the steps yeah. or we do it half ass. You know mm-hmm. we're not doing it every day, mm-hmm. right? And and. We, we, we kind of forget that the small shifts we need to make on a daily basis are small, yeah. right? They have to be consistent, but they're not that big. And we have to take a look at those rituals that are kind of holding us back, mm-hmm. which is, you know, if, if, if it's writing the book or if it's, if, it's, if it's making that change or starting that side hustle or whatever, I mean, maybe it's that there's three hours of leisurely TV watching or mindless browsing of, of, of you know, websites and social media at the end of every day. And three hours sounds like a lot, but so many people do at least two, yeah. right? And it's like, it's just stealing one of those hours back and, and just saying, you know what, I'm going to dedicate that hour to doing the little things that I need to do to move from point A to point B. Yeah. And it's going to take me five years to get there. 
but it's going to happen mm-hmm. if I do it daily. Well, and I think to to make take steps forward, to take action, you've got to accept where you presently are. You can't sit and say, I should have, I would have, and, uh, you know, think of all of the missteps you took. You have to accept where you currently are because you can't change the future. You can't change the past. Like you, the acceptance of where you currently are and then taking those steps going forward. And what, what has been really powerful for me is understanding that our thoughts are extremely powerful, so powerful. And understanding that everything we are telling ourselves is a story we are telling ourselves based on our own personal experience. You know, the three of us could watch the same exact movie and have a completely different opinion about it based on our own personal experiences. You know, I may, you know, regardless of what the movie was, but we are going to come out with totally different thoughts because we each have different things, different experiences that are telling us what we should think. And everything that we think, everything you think, everything you think, Charlie, they're just stories. And they're stories that we think are accurate based on our own knowledge and our own experience, but that doesn't necessarily make it factual. And I think that has been truly powerful for me to understand and grasp that everything is a story we are telling ourselves and nobody is right or wrong necessarily because they're coming from a place of their own personal experiences. So I think understanding that with my own personal thoughts has, you know, moved mountains. Yeah. And I think too, you know, it it doesn't mean the story is false, Mm -hmm. right? Like the story can be true. It doesn't mean wrong story or Mm -hmm. bad story Mm -hmm. or false story. It's just realizing and embracing the fact that there are stories we're telling ourselves based on our experiences, based on our pain from the past and so forth that do affect the way we step into the present mm-hmm. moment. And if we can get our mind wrapped around the fact that, that 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 pain is not happening now, that experience that was true, that hurt us deeply is not happening now. But the only reason it's holding us back now is because we're thinking about it now is the key. It's not negating the fact that it happened. It's embracing the fact that it happened, letting it be a part of us so that we can then leverage that to take the next step forward. And thoughts are a huge part of it. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we, we've danced around a lot about like, you know, answering this question on motivation, but, it, you know, it comes down to thoughts, right? At the end of the day, the thoughts that we have affect our motivation, it affects our emotional energy and what we're going to put into the world. And I think the greatest practice, if you want to talk about like the underlying part of motivation, it's getting right in the head. It's getting right on the inside first. And if you are struggling, if you're doubting yourself, if you're if you're if, if you're neglecting your own uh, abilities, if if you're if you're naysaying yourself, or you're listening to those who are naysaying you, um, you need to you need to take a, a real close look at those thoughts. And I mean that's something, of course, we talk about in the book um, and, and, and at the live events and coaching. But you know, I'll give you a, a quick example of something I would do first and foremost. And that would be simply like when you are feeling stressed, when you when you catch yourself, do the best you can be to monitor your, you know, your moments of high anxiety. And when you catch yourself naysaying yourself, when you catch yourself thinking you're not good enough, I need to wait longer. You know, I need something more before I can take this next step. Just write that thought down. Just get it out of your head and down someplace and just get it out of your head. Don't judge yourself for having that thought. Don't try to evaluate the thought in that moment, but just get it out of your head. And then go back a few days later when you are feeling more calm and collected and take a look at it. Take a look at those thoughts, right? I mean, and and by then you might have a few thoughts written down. Do that as often as you need to, recording those thoughts. And then go back when you have some time that you are feeling good, when you are calm and collected, when you are not at a high anxiety moment, and just read through them and ask yourself, are these thoughts true? 
who am I with this thought in my head? What else would I see about my situation and my ability or this other person if that wasn't the thought in my head at that moment? Like, who am I in any situation with that thought in my head? Start dissecting it. Start taking a look at what like what is going on in your head and how is it affecting your ability to take the next step? Because mm-hmm. oftentimes it's our own thoughts that are keeping us stuck and that are not helping us push forward and grab onto that motivation. Yeah. Well, and I'm glad we're pulling this out because if you realize to Angel's point that you're telling yourself a story, you also realize you can tell yourself another story, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and so I know that sounds but I'm telling myself the story, but you can tell yourself a different story and, or you can tell yourself the same story and choose to have a different reaction or relationship with that story. So Mm -hmm. it might very well be true that because of things in your past, you, you have done X, right? Mm -hmm. There's a big difference between saying because of these things in my past, I have done this. Mm. You don't get the, therefore I should do that tomorrow or I should do that today. You have a fact, right? Because of that, I did this. Well, what are you going to do about it now? Right. Yeah. What's today? Whereas if you tell the story because of this, this is who I am. Yeah. Right. This is this is the type of thing that I do because of that. You don't give yourself one that gap for change. And I think you also don't make room for the personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. Right. To say, you know what, I can make a different choice in this moment. That story is one that I own. The story doesn't own me. Yeah. You, You took the words right out of my mouth. Like, so often that we say we are stuck because of this, of what happened, instead of taking responsibility and looking at like, I am better and stronger and more, more, I have more ability to push forward because of that. So again, it's the story, the same situation happened, but rather than thinking it's keeping me stuck, it's propelling me forward and I am able to move forward and I have skills that nobody else has and experiences because of that. Mm. Yeah, that's painful. Like you said before, you know, growth is painful in all areas. and. And it doesn't matter. I mean, that realization that it's kind of like internal education, those mistakes, those failures, those moments of deep loss and grief. No, you don't want that for yourself. But in, but believe it or not, you need it, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it's crazy. You need it. And, and and you will ultimately look back and realize that, yes, you you know, you are stronger because of it. And it's just, an, you know, when, when you're at that point where that is the truth you need to realize the truth, yeah. right? And that's the key is, is connecting yourself to that truth, saying, you know what, this thing that happened to me, it was painful. But in this moment, it didn't take away from me. In this moment, it's adding to my life. Yeah. It's yeah. adding to my ability. And, and I love how I love how Charlie put it, where he said, you know, once you realize and understand truly what that statement means, like everything is a story, I'm telling myself a story. Well, you can tell yourself a different story too. Like right. it's in your control. It's in your control. And sometimes what you have to do in these scenarios is you have to choose the story or the truth that you can accept at that time. Right. Mm -hmm. And it might be that you're in a space, we've all been there, right. Um, Where you just can't accept that higher level truth of how you've grown and how much stronger you are and how much richer your life is because right now things suck. Right. That (laughs) you just can't can't get there yet. And that's okay. Right. Because things can just suck. And that's a part of life too. Right. You might not be able to accept that really big truth, but you might be able to accept the truth that because of that, this is what I have done. That's a true, that like, that's a smaller truth. But again, it doesn't mean that you have to keep doing that. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just a smaller sort of positive truth that you can accept that creates that gap for change. Right. And so some, sometimes when we struggle with motivation, we think that we have to have that sort of, 
you know, Gary Vaynerchuk motivation, or we got to have that sort of motivation that we will claw through every wall and, and make anything <laughs> happen. Right. Which some folks have that, but sometimes it's just a motivation to like stand up from the couch. Right. Yeah. We'll worry about the wall later on down the road. Right. <laughs> right. But just get off the couch at one action and then follow that with a step and then follow that with one other thing. And sometimes that's where we are in life. And so, you know, though we are talking about there are big, big fundamental truths about yourself and about your life that are true and that you can get, you can accept that story. Sometimes you're just not there, but there's a smaller truth about yourself that you can get to and you can leverage and ratchet up from there. Yeah. yeah. It goes back to the small steps. Might sound cliche, but like most cliches, there's truth in them, you know? Mm-hmm. And getting, that, getting off the couch, getting out of the bed. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, one step at a time. Yeah. And, and, and challenge, you know, challenging yourself to find that truth too. I think, you know, we, we, I think that word has just been echoing back and forth between all three of us here. And, you know, what is true, you know, and, and, and is this story I'm telling myself true? What part of it is true? How much of it was true in the past, but isn't true today? Um, if I'm strongly feeling it, you know, looking at an opposite and, and let, let's talk about the opposite of this thing I'm telling myself. And is there any truth in that? Can I give myself some, ex- some, some just good perspective? Um, and, and, you know, just like, really like, again, it's work, dive into it, you know, don't just go to the surface. Like when, when something's holding you back and there's something that you want, dive in, dissect the pieces so that you can take those steps. Yeah. I'm going to do a quick plug here. Mark and Angel were with me for episode 83 and we did go through the self-inquiry process there. And so if this process of illuminating your thoughts and asking whether it's true is, is a practice you want to do, listen to episode 83 because we go in deeply about that particular, their process for doing that. And it's a really useful process. I've seen them do it multiple times on stage and with people. So check that out. If you, if you have some story um, reframing and retelling that you need to do and you're, you're wanting a methodology for doing that. Um, so let's talk about where you're growing now. And what new um, new challenges that you're facing? Because you know you've got a healthy, gorgeous son. You guys have a great relationship. You're not in the duress that you were 12 years ago. Um, you've got you know a really substantial book coming out, and there are a lot of great things happening. And so there's this idea that some people have that once you reach a certain level, like you're just kind of done, or like there's the living happily ever after. <laughs> So <laughs> aspect, right? Um, but we know that there's that living piece, right? That that is not quite just a happily ever after. So where are the places in your life right now that you're having to show up in a different type of way and and use your own sort of medicine to to get through the process? Oh, well, I got a good one for you, Charlie. <laughs> I'm not gonna lift my foot up right now, even though you can see me here, but I broke my foot hiking uh, about two weeks ago now. Uh, it's uh, called a Jones fracture. It's at the very base of the pinky toe, the fifth metatarsal. Um, it is a notoriously slow fracture to heal. The average fracture in the human body heals in six to eight weeks. The Jones fracture is typically 12 to 16 or not at all based on the low blood supply in that area, in which case it requires surgery. So I'm only two weeks in now, two weeks from today, I'll get another sur- uh, I'm sorry, another x-ray to, to, to uh, tell me whether my bone is actually calcifying. Um, for the last two weeks and for the next it could be 16. Um, I'm allowed to put zero pressure on that foot. That is what's going to give me the best chance for healing without surgery. What does that mean for my life? Well, it, when you can't walk suddenly, things are different, right? And you're walking around with crutches. Um, and you have to, you, you really have to go back to like, you feel sorry for yourself when it first happens, you're in pain, right? You're fit physical pain in this case. Um, and then you start realizing, you know what? 
could have been my head, right? It could have been a lot worse. Um, I work with my hands. I'm a writer, right? Um, a lot of my, my business can be done via the computer. I don't necessarily need to walk every minute. Um, it's my left leg and not my right leg. I can still drive. I start looking at the, the things that I have to be grateful for, right? And I can think of, you know, I mean, good grief. I, you know, I don't want to drop names, but Scott and Dinsmore, we, we were, Angel and I were hiking together. I break my foot. Scott Dinsmore lost his life. Um, and it's, and he was, I know he was a mutual friend of both of ours. You know, it, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's wild um, that when something like this happens, it makes you reflect on a lot in your life, how fragile our bodies are, how fleeting things are, right? Your health can change literally in the, the blink of an eye and, and how drastically it will affect your day-to-day life. And yet how there are so many things to be grateful for despite that. Um, and, and the willingness to work through that, right? And be open and honest about it and, and talk to somebody, you know, like, I mean, when this first happened, I was in severe pain. I mean, it was hard to like, to say like, what's my life? I've, I've got the brand new book coming out. It's like, I'm, we're supposed to be going on a book tour. We're flying to New York city for, for, uh, the Megan Kelly show. We're flying out to, 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 um, LA for the Hallmark channel interview. And it's, it, it's crazy. It's like, well, now I've got to do that on crutches, but I get to do that. Right. It's like, that's an amazing thing. Um, I, I think this is a great example on. Mark knows the work, right? right? Like he knows the personal development. This is what we do. Yet when he hurt his foot, he still struggled with the thoughts that go through his mind and like, oh my gosh, I'm bitter. I can't do this. I'm upset. And so it's a prime example that it's a constant learning process. Like you don't all of a sudden wake up one day and you're enlightened and you'll never take anything personal again, or you'll never have a negative thought cross your mind. No, that's impossible. And so I, I think this is a great example that it's a constant learning process. It's you've got to take those steps. You've got to you reevaluate your situation and what's the positive side. And, you know, for me right now, we have, you know, this new book coming out and we're super excited about it. And we're, we're going to get some national exposure that we're not used to. And so for me personally, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I start to have the imposter syndrome. Like, are we really like, do we deserve this? Uh, do we know enough? Are we enough? Are we not enough? Like, and so those thoughts go through your mind. So like I, like I said, it's, we're constantly practicing the work too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's never like, oh, like you said, it's not happily ever after we're, we're smooth sailing from here on out. No, no. I think it's the acceptance that you're going to struggle. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have thoughts that are not helping and pushing you forward. But knowing that, okay, I've got, I've got a toolbox here of things that I can do that can help me overcome this and have better days. Yeah. It's a constant practice. None of us are above this. We don't, we don't learn ourselves out of this, right? This is life. Um, like, like you said, Charlie, I mean, we're going to, we're going to live, work and grow until we're 85. I hope, right? I mean, most of us do these days and, and there is never going to be a point in your life where it's like you are above um, thinking well, right? Because thinking well is going to ultimately help you step through the inevitable pain that you're going to bump up against. And whether it's, you know, randomly snapping a foot on a hiking trail or, or, or right, or, or being, or being shoved into a, a, you know, opportunity that puts you well outside of your comfort zone, um, you're going to have to adapt and you're going to have to learn to grow and you're going to have to deal with those thoughts that are rushing into your mind at a, like a mile a minute um, that are telling you, I can't do this, that are telling you, like, this shouldn't be like this. I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm not ready. I'm not good enough. I've already missed my chance or, you know, you know, look like this, this shouldn't happen to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be so many different kinds of thoughts and you've got to go back to 
sorting those thoughts out. You've got to go back to taking it one moment at a time, taking those deep breaths. And, and exactly right. And that's what getting back to happy is about is like the book is a toolbox of strategies that have worked for us to step through some of the darkest times in our life and have also helped, you know, hundreds and hundreds of coaching clients over the last 10 years step through things as well. And it's crazy. I'm like, like Angel said, we're right back. I mean, because of the great opportunity of the book and the exposure we're going to have for it um, and just breaking my foot. I mean, right back to using those same exact tools, um, sitting down, like you mentioned, self-inquiry going, you know, which we, I just briefed over, but um, back in your other episode, um, I daily, I, you know, daily I practice, you know, and I do my, I, I record my thoughts and I, I take a look at them so that when, you know, the pressure is getting even more high and, and things are really tough. Like I'm more, I've done the work. I'm, 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 I'm well, well prepared to deal with the thoughts that are rushing into my head. I've seen them a million times before. It doesn't mean I don't have to practice. It means the practice is what's making me stronger in real time. So it's, it's important stuff. That's fantastic. I'm going to pause here a little bit though, because, um, I'm going to eliminate the part of the story you didn't tell, right? Because Mark has a daily ritual of working out, right? Um, and going to the gym and doing those types of things. They have daily rituals around walking together with their son, right? They have all of these sorts of rituals and being though it is great that he is a writer, it is incredibly hard to write when you're in a buttload of pain. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's incredibly hard to do interviews when your foot is swollen and you're frustrated and you're mad and then you got to show up and be the self-help guy. Right. It's challenging. <laughs> it is really, really challenging. And similarly on, you know, on angel side and everywhere is there's like what happens with their relationship with their son, like with all this natural exposure, like there are all those types of things that are part of this process as well. But notice it's not just that they're bright siding us and, and telling us, I, I, I know them well enough to know that that's not the focus of, of their stories that they're telling. Yes, those stories are true, but they're looking at the, oh my God, I can drive. I, I can do these things. I get to do these types of things. And the thing about it is both are true. Like the pain story the you know, all, like a lot of us, you know, would break our foot and be like, well, there goes my ritual. Like what's wrong with that? And then so on and so forth. But I'm imagining that Mark has figured out other ways to get his stuff done. Right. Because I know Mark, right. Mm-hmm. Um, You'd be proud of me, Charlie. I've been to the gym almost every day <laughs> since, since I broke my foot. Now, of course I'm only working out my upper body, nothing lower, lower than the knee. Um, and, and it's remarkable, you know, it, it changes everything and yet it changes nothing because getting there has not changed, right? The ritual of showing up has not changed, but of course now I've got to be very careful about my body, about my foot, and make sure that I'm doing the right thing so I can heal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that doesn't mean the ritual breaks. It just means that we make a modification so that we can still work, right? Same thing with my son. Uh, my son loves to go over to the playground. He loves for me to play kickball with him. I can't do that now, but I still go over there, right? And Angel plays. <laughs> so so it, it, it's amazing. So she, like, I have, I have, I have some a support here to fill in for me. But yeah, you know, you, you've got it. You've got like when you're, you're 100% right, because that's a common thing. That's a common theme, which is, you know, tragedy strikes, something blindsides me. And therefore, I can't do the thing I set out to do. And that is not the truth. The truth is that those things are going to blindside you 100% guaranteed. And how much do you want to stay the course? And why are you staying the Mm -hmm. course? Go back to that why. Why are you doing this? Why am I going to the playground with a broken leg? Because I love my son and he wants me to be there. Why am I getting into the gym? Because it's healthy for my body. And I know that I'm going to feel better physically and emotionally by getting there, even if I'm doing a light workout, than not getting there at all. I mean, that's what, that's what it's about. Yeah. Nothing is good or bad, good or bad as our thinking makes it. So 
So it's just, it's a reminder of how powerful our thinking can be. Nothing is good or bad as our thinking makes it so. And it's true. Yeah. When you, like you said, Charlie, when this first happened, I mean, the level of pain in my foot was astounding. And the crazy thing is nothing is good or bad as thinking makes makes it so. I mean, I had to really think about very consciously about what was good about this, right? About the fact that it could be worse, right? About feeling blessed that this was my foot and it wasn't my head and I was going to recover. It's going to be long, but it's going to happen. The day after this happened, when I was in excruciating pain, we had a coaching call, right? We were able to move two of them, but I still had one that we couldn't get out of. And I had to get on for an hour and I was not in the right state of mind for it. But you know what? Focusing my attention and energy on somebody else and helping somebody else through a very tough situation helped me, mm-hmm. right? And so, I mean, we have to think about that too. You know, you go back to motivation. When you are really at the lowest of lows and you feel like you, you, need, like, you need something more, help somebody else. T- take the focus away from you and put it onto somebody else. Take it away from you not being enough to you offering value to someone else who doesn't feel like enough. Um, and that, I mean, that just recently with this foot thing, like I, I didn't even purposefully do that. It's the nature of our work that led me into it. But it was just an, another reminder that that is just so true. When we help others, we help ourselves. And it helps us change our thoughts, like Angel said. And like you start helping somebody else who's in their situation. You're like, okay, you're feeling less self-pity and so forth. Yeah, it's just that quote. I forget who says it. Um, Never let what you can't do keep you from doing what you can do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And same sort of thing. And the other thing that's been coming up for me is it's a it's a um, extension of the Buddhist um, before enlightenment, you know, um, chop wood, fetch water after <laughs> enlightenment, chop wood, fetch water. Right. And so it's kind of like before happiness, you yeah. know, uh, chop wood, fetch water and after happiness, chop wood, fetch water um, sort of thing. So um, as the guest for today's show you get to leave our listeners with an invitation or a challenge, depending upon which most resonates with you two. An invitation or a challenge? Where so, are we going? Yeah. I'll let Angel decide. <laughs> Ladies' choice on this one. I, I think a challenge. Okay. Challenge? I was, Do you have a challenge? I'm thinking about it. You're thinking about what it? What comes to mind? No, I'm, 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 I, I think we're all at different stages, um, so it's kind of hard to say like something specific. But... I would challenge you to either stick to or build a small ritual into your life um, that you know has meaning and that you know will add value um, mm-hmm. to, to you and those you love. And it could be as simple, you know, I mean, on, a, on the health end, it could be simple as taking a 10 minute walk every day on, uh, it could be writing in your journal every day. It could be sitting out at the end of the day, a, a great one, to, a great place to start that's so ridiculously simple is just sit down at the end of every day and record just a few things that you're grateful for, mm-hmm. little things. I made it home safely from work and so forth. But do something small like that every single day for the next 60 days. And I say 60 days because they say 66 days is roughly the amount of time that it, it takes to build a habit or a ritual into your life where you start to actually identify with the process of doing so. So if you can do it for that time frame, you're going to start to see the value. You're going mm-hmm. to feel it. Um, and it's going to become a bigger part of who you are. And that's where the change happens. Yeah. And I'm just going to tweak that just a tad bit. So Mark is suggesting add something. Well, I would also suggest like just looking at what your daily rituals are. And if instead of adding something, maybe delete something that's not mm-hmm. feeding you in a positive way, whatever that may be for you. If you if you realize you're doing something every day and you don't even recognize that you're doing it every day and it's not serving you, just delete it. 
I like that. Just get rid of it. <laughs> Clear that clutter. <laughs> I'm I'm with Angel on this one. Better to eliminate before you add. Um, and so, but both do, do hers first. Do hers first. Do, do, um, not <laughs> a competition, but it, both are both are great sides of the coin. You know, I'm I'm looking at the time, and I'm like, man, time always flies when we hang out. So I appreciate you guys um, coming on the podcast for today. Again, I am so proud of the book. Um, that you have written and, and the success that you've accrued. And I look forward to supporting it as it comes out and, and, you know, being involved in that process too. Thank you very much. Charlie, thank you so much for having us. We love you. All right, listeners. So you heard it from Mark and Angel. What daily ritual can you either eliminate or add that will get you back to happy? And I'm going to tweak it just a little bit, make it super small. Like we don't need to change the world here. We just need to introduce one small thing or eliminate one small thing to get you back to living the life you want to live. Until next time, stand tall. Thanks for listening to Productive Flourishing. To get more resources that'll help you finish the work that matters and be your best self in the world, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. If this episode warmed your heart or got your wheels turning, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review for the podcast on iTunes. 